Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast, hosted by Angel Deer. In this podcast, we explore the mysteries of spirituality and consciousness. In each episode, we dive deep into the realms of human experiences, our rapidly changing world, and the unseen realms, tapping into the universal wisdom that connects us all. Whether you're a seasoned spiritual seeker, starting to awaken to the possibilities of a more expansive reality, or want support on your journey, this podcast is for you. Join me as we explore topics such as shamanism, spiritual transformation, holistic healing, the medicine path, energy healing, plant medicine, ancient wisdom, and more. Our guests are respected elders and experts in their fields, and we'll learn from their insights and experiences as we journey together on the path of spiritual growth. If you can, please consider supporting this podcast by joining our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the sanctuary and why. Once again, it is patreon.com slash the sanctuary and why. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Do you find it easier uh, to sort of connect with spirit when you're in, uh, you know, a, a wonderful forest retreat area or, or uh, you know, more so than when you're in a city or, or how does that sort of work for you? I mean, I guess it's uh, the silence around you is inviting uh, listening, right, uh, to the settled voices. So if we are in a very noisy environment, it's, I think, a little bit harder. But, you know, that said, one of my first teacher 25 years ago that I'm still working with, and she is 85 now, <laughs> And uh, she was teaching us uh, one of the modality was meditation. And we did practice of meditation in Times Square in New York City. <laughs> and uh, that's definitely not very silent. Uh, yeah, to be able to cut out the noise and still hear, right? So it's probably possible anywhere at the end of the day. You know, spirit is there everywhere. Uh, but I do think it's easier, yes, for sure, to hear uh, do settle voices in that type of environment and also to get clear reflections as we call them in my traditions, the reflection of the stones, the trees, the forest. Those are clear voices, uh, with no ego, uh, and a line, uh, with, uh, the original instructions. And so if we're surrounded by that, I think it's easier to hear them. Oh, wonderful. And, and I love that word, clear reflections. Um, which, which tradition is, is that, uh, uses that nomenclature? Uh, in Andean cosmology, uh, which oh. is a tradition from the Andes uh, in Peru and, you know, southern of Peru too. Yeah. So, so how can I connect with the clear reflection of, of, uh, of things around me, the stones and the, in the uh, in the uh, the trees and the rivers or the cars that are driving by in Times Square. <laughs> so what? How? How in that tradition do do people do that or notice that? Perhaps that's a that's a wide question, and that's probably a lifetime practice, I would say. But um, the idea is that everything around us is alive. Everything around us has a voice. And if I can uh, sell all my stories, what I carry in my mind, my ego, you know, the, the veils I wear, the mask, uh, I might be able to hear those voices. And they are clear reflection in the sense that they do not carry uh, a personal agenda of separation. They carry this uh, embedded foundation that we also carry, you know, deep down of interrelations. And so the trees, you know, even if you just understand their biology, you understand that they live in connection. Mm -hmm. 
the rivers. You know, I always say the the river don't drink their own water. Mm. <laughs> they are they are in service, right? They they are in in connection with what's around. And so when we immerse ourselves with all the beings, alive beings that whisper uh, clear instructions, clear reflection, we might be able to perceive who we truly are. Who we are behind the the voices that are not ours, what we learn from our society, uh, from education, from the systems we are living in. And sometimes, even for a blink of a second, I might have an experience of that clear reflection of self through the reflections of those others which are technically not others, but let's let's just start with that. Yeah, and and that's that that's interesting. That's why I like the clear reflections um, idea that that there is no separation in the voice. Perhaps the voice that is singing is one of of that there is no distinction, that there is no separation. Yeah, I don't know who who said that, but said that the the spiritual path is a path of polishing our mirror, right? Clearing our mirror. So when we look in the mirror, we can see clearly. Uh, So it's this idea of of clear reflection. But if you see or feel more than probably think of it, if you close your eyes and you see yourself as a manifestation of the creator, like the tree, like the stone, like the river, like the birds. And if you feel into your fundamental elements, the fire inside of you, the waters inside of you, the the air, the breath, and the earth, this body, those elementals, very ancient spirits, carry a vibration or carry a prayer, as we say, carry instructions. Uh, And if you can access that, then you can see clearly. And then you will see that there is no separation. You will see you're just a reflection of what is out there. And you can probably find, I personally found, life-saving advice in those reflections. Uh, Troubling uh, visions of myself, things that I need to heal, things that are unresolved, things that are probably not aligned yet. So there is a beautiful opportunity. And I think, you know, many people go in nature for that without knowing. We, we are stressed, we have anger, we have confusion, we feel lost. And then we go there and we feel better. And even if we're not spiritual, we know that looking at a beautiful sunset or looking at uh, stars at night, uh, looking at a beautiful mountain, give us that sense of peace. And it's because in that moment, we are experiencing, experiencing what I call the return, right? We're returning to ourselves, And so, indeed, we can feel home. We can feel peace. And we can feel for a moment, maybe in that heartfelt experience, what we are, what we are, that, that clear reflection. How do, um, I wanted to, to touch again on um, what you mentioned about hearing the subtle voices. And, and I think, you know, we're brought up, or at least I was brought up to think of, you know, the five senses, you know, that, um, you know, hearing, sight, sounds, um, you know, touch, seeing and what about you know the the, the thoughts and 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 uh, and those what how do you work with sort of the five senses to um more connect with perhaps what you've called subtle voices well i think first um it's important to not make the the mind the thoughts the enemy they are part of creation. They are part of who we are as human beings. Uh, 
they can be a great tool for inquiry. Um, so I think for me, it's very much using the thoughts as the inquiry tool, as being curious. It's very often what I invite my students and in our shamanic school to do. You know, very often we, we get an opinion very quickly about something we think or experience as good or bad, right? We, we create immediately a judgment. If there is a judgment, then there is obviously a, a relationship that is already biased. We assume that this is good or we assume that this is wrong. We've probably learned as we grow up to cover up or to not uh, trust maybe fear and shame or anger or confusion. But if we return to curiosity, if we use the mind, uh, which is a very powerful tool, uh, to be curious, I think then we might be able to change that relationship with whatever is going on in the mind or whatever is going on in the body or whatever is going on out there. And we stay open to possibilities. And in possibilities, there is new stories, there is new relationships. Mm -hmm. and so I think it's really important to kind of, and that's the trick, I think, and that's a very difficult part, especially I think the more we uh, walk this path is to realize that, yeah, we, we grow a certain type of wisdom or knowledge but to be able to grow in parallel, the humbleness, the not knowing, the curiosity, uh, literally stating it is this or maybe it's not and I don't know, kind of keep the exploration going. I'm, I'm quite mesmerized, I have to say, you know, over the years, I've dived into this, those ways and this tradition and I guess to one side of it, I have more knowledge, but at the same time, the questions are even bigger and what's unanswered is wider. And I've learned or I'm learning, <laughs> I guess, to find um, comfort in that, right? To not create a battle there, to not be obsessed with answers, uh, but to be more curious about what is the right question, I think, is, is a good way to use the mind and the thoughts as a useful sense uh, in that exploration. I hope that answers the, the question you were asking. Yeah, and, and, and what I was thinking of is when, when, when I thought of hearing the subtle, when you said hearing the subtle, subtle voices, what came to me is listening with the heart um, mm. and, and not... So that like there, there's a, and, and it's not like it's like I'm separating the body from the mind necessarily, but when you sort of connect more toward the heart or your solar plexus or even, you know, your, your lower body and, and that your experience comes through that sort of portal, it's a different experience than the, than the, than how, the mind perceives things. And, 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 and like you said, that there's nothing against the mind. The mind is a wonderful tool, but mm -hmm. th those other ways of knowing or listening, I think can pick up on different things than, than perhaps the mind. And, and so that's when you said that, that's sort of what, what came to me. And I don't know if that's what you were pointing at or not, but I just wanted to share that with you. No, no, totally. You're right. And even the guts, right. What we call the gut feeling, right. Something kind of, in our belly, uh, kind of the old wisdom. Um, but I think what can be tricky sometimes is um, the trauma we might carry, the, the filters. And uh, we need to be uh, kind of careful about what we think it is, <laughs> what we think we heard. Um because it can come from a wounded place inside of us that is still unresolved, right? That still need healing. We might see others through a certain lens based on our personal experience of life. Uh, 
But I think if we do deep work and we can see uh, the patterns and we can see uh, that those voices for what they are, then we can go a little bit deeper and we can see the feeling, we can experience through our heart, but we also know that our heart is very wide. Uh, and it carries truth ultimately, yes, even if I experience separation in my heart in that moment, that's my truth. Um, but to know if it's the kind of the primordial vibration, is it the original instruction or is it something that I've learned to experience that way? Is it true? You know, and there is a, a very famous guru that I like, uh, Swami Prajnanpad, that said that you cannot know truth. You can never know truth, but you can know untruth. You can say, okay, this is not the ultimate truth. This is not true. But you will never know truth because truth is one with God and it's the ultimate state. And that's probably what, you know, I guess walking awakened beings can experience what we will experience as we transcend this body. Um, so yeah, to, to always keep the inquiry process, even, you know, with a feeling sometime. Would you want to try just in, in, uh, um, I, 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 I like this idea that, that um, what you brought up about being in Times Square and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, your teacher practicing there. And, you know, somebody who's probably listening to this podcast now is probably not in a forest <laughs> uh, or not, you know, in, in uh, well, maybe they're on a beach or something, you know, and, but, but maybe let's assume that they're, you know, like I, if they're like I am listening to podcasts, they're, um, cooking dinner or, Mm -hmm. or doing something around or, or, or more often for me, even driving a car. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and what is there a way, um, or, or even like right now in conversation with us, you know, we're, I'm assuming we're both in rooms. I know I am in a, you know, sort of a, a square room that's sort of cut off to some degree from, from nature. Uh, how, how, um, I, I I just was wondering if 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 we could invite sort of the 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 spirits into the conversation perhaps and and what that would look like. I've never done that before in a podcast, and I'm wondering, you know, somebody who's you know deeply connected with animism, what how we can invite that in the conversation and what that might look like. Or yeah, I mean, right before we connected, you know, I. I put my, my, my ceremony tools on me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we are, we are on audio only. So (laughs) right, right. I'm wearing artifact, which for me, uh, helped me stay connected and invite that connection. I did a prayer, uh, to invite, uh, the land, my ancestors and my guides to be present. I think, you know, for anyone that is, like you say, maybe in a, in a cubicles right now <laughs> or at lunch break in a noisy restaurant, um, I think, you know, we, are, we have been gifted, we are gifted as human with this amazing uh, capacity to close our eyes and to invite the unknown, to invite the magic, to invite the unseen. And for some people, it might be difficult if we don't have uh, any uh, spiritual practices or if we have been raised in a very religious, strict environment and we are kind of allergic to prayer. (laughs) But for me, you know, it's mainly inviting the space of my subconscious, right? 95% of our processes inside of us are automatic and invisible, so it's recognizing and acknowledging that uh, that voice that is speaking right now is coming not from something that I can see only or I can control, but also it's coming from a lot of weaved connection to the greater self, to what's bigger than me. And we can put in that our ancestors. We can put in that 
the billions of bacteria in my guts <laughs> we can put in that uh, the land we can put in that guides that we are connected to animals plants trees um, and I think if we don't have any of that if we don't if we feel like we can call that maybe we can call a dear friend uh, our lovely grandmother or grandfather that we were very connected to and that has passed away we can call wisdoms that is closer to us at first um, and that we relate to in some in some ways um, but I like to invite those and I like to call the four directions the east the west the north and the south to call like I was sharing earlier the fire my fire and the greater fire right? it could be the sun in the sky the stars to invite the waters this beautiful river that is flowing right next to my land the Delaware River I can invite the breath the air the wind the winging ones and I can invite the earth I can invite my body wisdom uh, into the space and I think it's uh, it's a way to to acknowledge that there is a lot I don't know that I don't see but to acknowledge that it is speaking with me that is connected to me so that in some way my words my thoughts even my presence on this earth is in relation to that think of even just the mystery of what is breathing us automatically and one day just go we don't really know in that moment what exactly happened you know i don't think it's just a chemical reaction um because we cannot create that life really we cannot give that breath back once it's gone uh, so it's acknowledging that in whatever way, I think the most important when we call that way is that it feels very authentic and true to us. To us. Right? I always uh, yeah, I tell my students, don't call things because you heard me calling them, <laughs> but call them because they have a meaning for you, that you have some kind of relationship to it. And I think that's when... Uh, the space gets bigger, right? Here you are with me and, you know, we never mate in person, but you're coming with your ancestors. You're coming with your ancestral land. You're coming with your guides. And I don't need to see them or to know you, to know that they are present in the space. Yeah, that's... Uh, I, I, I was just really exploring this this whole um, what you talked about of inviting and calling and um, because in, in, in a way there's sort of a, a there's sort of a do yeah, it, it, there's kind of a different connotation in it than I think that the, the, the mere words talk about because it's because you also talked about how it opens up space too. So it's, it's sort of like a, conjuring in a way but with a connection and I, I i don't know what does that mean to you you know inviting and and how do you invite or how do you call upon things uh the, the calling very much the way i learned it is that we we thanks for the for the presence that is already there that we i might not experience yet that i might know of so we're not already calling say hey uh, grandfather fire uh, come into the room where we say thank you grandfather fire to shine through me to shine in the sky to share your wisdom to share your vibration your prayer your connection with me because we don't uh, relate in a way that okay I have to take something so it happens no we relate in a reverse way that we give thanks and in giving thanks we receive but those voices are always there they are always operating the fire doesn't wait for me to call it to shine to speak to share its vibration 
So I'm kind of rewiring also this idea of separation, uh, the idea of lack, of not belonging, of not deserving, of uh, that I have to do really hard work to get something. Like in that space, things are given. And we pray in a way that is mainly to thanks that it is happening, that it is present. And we acknowledge, in fact, very often, you know, in my prayers, I thank spirits or guides that maybe I haven't seen in a while or haven't heard in a while because I know they're there. I know it's my incapacity to listen properly or deeply enough. But I also know that when I do that, uh, that's the way my, my teacher says it. It's the spirit is like, oh, someone is talking to us. <laughs> let's let's focus a bit more there. Eh? So it's a little bit like arrows that are coming towards us. So imagine those arrows coming from the east, the west, the north, and the south, coming from below and above, and they carry that vibration. They carry that prayer. They carry healing. They carry wisdom. And I come with my bow and arrows and I point my prayer exactly towards that, right? I put my intention very clearly to connect to that. And when those two arrows touch, the one that are coming towards me constantly and my decision, my commitment, my prayer, this is my arrow coming out. And when they touch, connection is made and healing is happening and wisdom is received. So that's where my my power resides, right? my capacity to to do that. But it's coming towards everyone, you know, towards me, towards you, even towards someone that has never prayed or will never even agree with anything I'm saying. It's we believe it's coming to everyone in the same way, right? So my prayer is very much a thanks cue prayer. It's a prayer of gratitude for all what is in service of me right now, all what is shining upon me, flowing towards me, breathing towards me. Um, And I think anyone that I know that even people that are very uh, kind of reactive or allergic to prayer, if they just try, experience something different, kind of a shift in consciousness, maybe a shift inside their body, a different feeling uh, and potentially something even bigger. How do you think of offerings? Because um, I, I, I think that sort of dovetails on the, the invitation as well, or the prayers, but I, I, I guess it's what, 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 what for me somehow seems that it makes me uncomfortable a little bit about, you know, some, uh, practices involving offerings is it's almost like a quid pro quo. It's like, well, here, I'm going to do this. So I'm expecting this to happen. But what you're, what you're pointing to with the prayers are, are I think more of a, a connection that's already there and not so much an exchange, but a, a recognition of that, you know, there hasn't been a separation before mm-hmm. perhaps and 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 what, what how do you think of offerings? Do you have offerings in sort of your tradition or practice? Yes, and the thank you is is very much an offering if you think of it. Right? It's like I'm, yeah. I'm gifting that, right? I'm gifting my presence, even my attention. You know, in a world that there is a war on our attention right now, with all the social media and, uh, and the screens and all of that. So even offering my attention in a world that is. Uh, at war to get my attention and say, you know what, I'm not going to give it to that. I'm going to give it to something else. Um, just that is, a, I think, is a huge gift. But yes, we we do. In fact, most of ceremonies and rituals in this tradition are ceremonies of offering to the earth, and to the elements, to the spirits. So we gift tobacco. Uh, when we're in Peru, uh, there's a beautiful tradition where we take four coca leaves, one for each direction. Uh, we make what's called a kintu, and we blow on those coca leaves towards the four direction in the sky, and then we put those leaves into the ground. Um, there is offerings 
of sacred objects. You know, there's a very, um, I think, interesting idea, and that's not just present in that tradition. I also trained for a very long time and still, you know, in connection to that tradition with uh, the Celtic and Norse, Norse shamanism tradition. And this is that to receive things, we need to kind of make a sacrifice to offer something of value. Right. So if I, if I give something that's worth $5, right, I'm going to get kind of $5 back from spirit. <laughs> uh, but let's say I want to get something really big in my life, something that, that is, uh, from my perspective, is, is big. What, what am I ready to, to give up? You know, and in our healings, uh, sometimes we have to give up something. Could be a relationship, could be a job, it could be a way of behaving. And those can be really hard, right, to give away, to let go. Uh, but there is always an equilibrium in energies. There's always an exchange in reciprocity. You know, if the tree start giving more to the mycelium than it gets or to the other trees, it will die. And if we start taking more than it's giving back, the relationship is going to be cut. So it's everywhere in nature, not just the trees and the mycelium, the birds and the seeds, the flowers and the bees. So there is this balanced way of relating. Uh, and it's, I think it's difficult for us as Westerners because we are so used that our system of exchange is that we take something and we pay for it, <laughs> right? Uh, so it's very often around money, which is energy in some ways. Uh, but I think when it comes to the sacred, you might be, you know, oh, I have this amazing crystal that I've had for so many years, but I want to call something really big in my life. Maybe it's time to offer it back to the earth where it's coming from, to go back somewhere and to bury it, to put some tobacco and to speak to the crystal, to speak to the earth, to say, thank you for gifting me that crystal that I've used for so many years. I'm giving it back and I'm calling this. So I think it's very important to, to have an experience of it. You know, I could talk about it for a long time and some people might feel like, oh yeah, right. I've experienced that. Oh Yeah. It works that way. And if we've never done it, we might feel like, mm, that sounds a little bit weird <laughs> or bizarre. Uh, but what about trying it and see what happened? I always tell people, try it. See if it works. And this, this, those ways, there are 5, 10, 15,000 year old. Um, and they're not here because it's a, it's a structured religion. They are here because Elders, generation after generation, have experienced the power of it, refined those tools, and handed to us this most ancient and advanced technology that we can access to, which are those altars, those rituals, those ceremonies. Um, and, you know, I was a scientist originally, uh, a very Cartesian my, mind, <laughs> with mind and matter, uh, and it was very hard for me to understand those things, to have an experience even of it until, you know, I could not find answers in those old way, in those ways that I've learned and find those ancient ways, tried them and then seeing what we call magic right, happen, what we call, yeah, the mystery being revealed. Uh, but I would not have believed it until I've experienced it right now. I, I believe it because I've experienced it and I don't need proof anymore. But and there was a long time in my life, the first 10 years of my practices where there was always doubt. You know, my faith was in my head, but not in my heart yet. <laughs> you also mentioned that you came to today's conversation with uh, sort of your ceremonial tools. Is that something that you could talk about and, and uh, what those mean to you and, and your intention behind them, perhaps? Sure, sure. So I'm, I'm wearing uh, a, med a medicine bag, which is, uh, you know, the one I'm wearing is, is around, it's a necklace, so it's around my neck, and there's a little bag that's in front of my heart. 
that's held by it. And that medicine bag inside of it as um, items that are of great significance to me. So we usually don't reveal what's in the medicine bag, but what you usually can find is stones and objects and plants, bark of trees. You know, it could be even man-made object. Uh, and so we, we carry it as a form of protection and as a form of connection and to once again, having them against my heart, letting them speak. Um, and I think any person that's quite deep on the path, usually uh, in those shamanic tradition, you know, um, carry a medicine bag or I've heard about it. And the other things I'm wearing is a belt. It's a ceremonial belt. It's a weaved uh, belt, man, in the Andes. That's quite wide. It's around, I think, three or four inches wide. That is wrapped around my belly on top of my belly button. Um, and those belts are where for, for protection. Um, in this tradition, we believe energy is inter- so the belly button, and that's our connection to the earth. And when we go to powerful places, places with a lot of energy, so like a walk in the mountain, you know, we would wear it. Um, and also when we are in connection with others, uh, when we are in ceremonial or ritual settings, uh, we wear them in order to kind of filter <laughs> the energies that might come in. Uh, sometimes people put tobacco in that belt, uh, between the skin and the belt also to add an additional layers of protection. But that's things that I always wear when, you know, when I'm teaching, when I'm speaking, when I'm in ceremonies or in groups, or when I go in the, in the mountain with my teacher. Um, in fact, in Peru, uh, most every person in the mountain, if you go in the communities in the village, People always wear hats, you know, men and women. And I kind of always thought uh, like 15 years ago when I started going that it was for the sun because, you know, you are at, I don't know, 14, 15,000 feet sometime and the sun is very strong. Uh, but in fact, uh, I discovered that it is to protect themselves, uh, the top of their skull, the crown chakra from in, from the energies from the outside because they believe the Mountains are very powerful beings and you want to have uh, some protection as you live in the mountain, despite, you know, they're in good relationship with it, but there is a, yeah, an acknowledgement that those uh, spirits, whose beings are powerful and you need some, some layers of protection, which is, uh, I think very beautiful. So when I'm in the mountain uh, over there, I always wear a hat because of that. And also because, uh, I get burned easily. <laughs> right. Well, and, and as, speaking of which, it looks like in May of 2023, are you going back to Peru for a, a plant medicine retreat? Yeah, we're bringing uh, people um, back in the mountain, back in the, in the Sacred Valley uh, to experience uh, this altar, this Andean cosmology ways you know, to teach them, to have them experience the healing. And, you know, I've been going there for more than 10 years now. I spend around three to four months a year in Peru every year, uh, just mainly to be with my teachers, uh, but also for bringing groups. And, uh, yeah, we, we're going again this, uh, this May. And you also have... Um um, it looks things coming up toward the end of the shamanic Reiki. You've got a certification course and a, a shamanistic training path of the warrior coming up. Uh, well, I guess that's uh, in 2024. So yeah. you, you, you keep yourself busy with a, a lot of uh, different programs and offerings uh, as well at, at celebrating your path and tradition. Correct. Well, I, I am a, you know, I'm a, long-term student of this tradition, right? I will always study. I've committed my, my life and my past to my teacher and to this tradition. Uh, and so, you know, when you love learning, uh, I love sharing. And I come from a very long lineage of teachers. Uh, 
And so I love sharing those teachings. I love experiencing them uh, with others. You know, it is a place of healing at the end of the day. I mean, there's a lot of work we need to do on ourselves and alone. But at the end of the day, the, the final healing or the kind of ground zero for healing is relationships, right? It's in connection with others. That's where we learn to rekindle relationship. Um, so, yeah, we have a shamanic school with different programs. Uh, and that is, you know, the thing I enjoy the most is uh, um, opening the path for people into those tools. And then, you know, they walk it, you know, they, they explore on their own. They discover if this works for them or not. Do you, um, one thing that I've sort of been experiencing more lately is the different forms of, of sort of entry into um, different forms of, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it like trance, shamanic trance, and how in, in some ways that that is sort of what we are is sort of constantly in vibration in relationship to other things and then then sort of understanding that as a way to sort of navigate through that um and is that part of your, your journey or practices in sort of working with different sorts of trance states either with medicine or or in, with different sort of modalities yeah i mean if you think of um shamanism which is you know i i mean for lack of a better world it's an overused world and um you know i i call myself a shamanic practitioner uh but it, I, I don't really like the term because it's so broadly used today that it kind of doesn't really means uh one thing <laughs> even so many things uh, but this path so the word comes from from russia from eastern russia and and the shaman is the one that sees in the dark. Or another way to say it that I like is, is seeing what's not seen. Mm -hmm. So it's connecting to the world of spirit, to the soul inside. Uh, and for that, uh, in most tradition around the world, I work with a lot of different tradition, but we use uh, what's called altered state of consciousness of what trance is, right? So we, we use usually the, the most common tools is the drum. And there is a certain rhythm of the drum, a certain speed uh, that medicine people use and shaman use to bring people into other set of consciousness. Science now understand what it is, right? In terms of the waves in the brain and what happened. So what very much is a trance is like it's daydreaming. So we can access trance states completely naturally, uh, sitting uh, against a tree and watching a river. And then we let our thoughts kind of float and flow like the river. And then as we do that, some streams of consciousness that are in the subconscious arise. You know, we can have IDs, we can have old memories, and if we practice that with the drum, we can do it with plant medicine. We can do it many, many ways. Um, even working, you know, I've done a, a dieta last year with the oak tree, where you basically uh, drink a strong decoction of the bark of the oak tree. And for one week, I was drinking that tea. Um, and you know, this is not a psychoactive, uh, plant, uh, but within three days in my dreams and in my awakened state, uh, the oak tree started coming and teaching me like in this very interesting state of being fully awake, what you would call a normal state of consciousness. Uh, we could debate for a long time if being awake as we are today is a normal state of consciousness. <laughs> yeah, let, let's skip that debate. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's a long, a long discussion here. And you have, yeah, so I experienced for a couple of days this massive, what we call download or channeling or connection where I was just writing pages and pages of poetry. And somewhere very Celtic, 
uh, which is interesting because the oak tree is, I didn't know at the time because I didn't want to read about the tree or know anything in spiritual tradition that used it because I wanted to come as kind of a child mind, right? Not knowing. Uh, so that tree came to me as this elder that was teaching the Druids and giving them their medicine. And I saw all those visions of Druids sitting under oak trees and people sitting around them and doing ceremonies. And then I read that, yeah, it's a tree of knowledge and is a tree that was teaching the Druids, but I didn't know that. In fact, that's what oak means. Uh, it's an old world and it means uh, the teacher, the master teacher. And I also had all this stream of consciousness and download of poetry that was very much like Sufi poetry, like what Rumi would write. And I wrote some beautiful poems that were gifted to me by that deity, by that being, by this tree. And to me, that's quite fascinating, you know, because I was in the same state of consciousness as I am right now speaking to you. Um, and I was having that door open. So what we would call an adult state of consciousness. And we are all always on that state of consciousness. That's what I want to say here. You know, we're all be hypnotized by the world and in that story. So we are not in the kind of the primordial set of consciousness because we are receiving information from outside, inside that informs us. Um, so those trends can happen anytime. And by the way, uh, we are all sleeping, hopefully every day, <laughs> and, <laughs> and experiencing dreaming, yes. which, is, which is a very important place for medicine people and for shamans, you know, to explore. Uh, and some people see dreams as just kind of this uh, purging of the mind, right, uh, of what happened during the day. And some of it is, you know, a big part of the dreaming state is this purge, this cleansing of the brain. But it's part of some dreams, you know, they say in, in my tradition that around 10% of our dream, 20% of our dreams are visionary dreams meaning they contain visions, informations, uh, kind of higher wisdom. And they say that around 1% of our dreams are prophetic. Those are the, the big dreams, the big stories that we have, like creation stories that comes where that tells us about the people on the earth, that tell us about civilizations, you know, what's, what's coming up. Uh, but, it comes in the natural dream state and we all dreaming hopefully, uh, but we can cultivate that. You know, there are techniques and ways and rituals where we can do dream writing and connection with others to really uh, develop that skill. That's another state of trance, right? That we can experience. Um, but, uh, and I just finished by that, uh, very often those trans states are not only uh, sharing with us wisdom, but they are deeply healing for our soul, for our lives. Um, and there was a study done, um, I think a couple of years ago, it was in Canada with a veteran hospital that treats, you know, war veterans. And, um, the hospital system in Canada has done uh, quite uh, powerful efforts over the last five years to bring uh, native traditions. So in some hospital, you can have sweat lodge, you can have, you know, different experience of those native traditions. Uh, and they did a comparative study between uh, normal treatments of those veterans, normal Western ways of approaching trauma. And they had a group of veterans where once a week, they would have a drum circle. So those 15, 20 veterans will sit in a circle. They were given a drum and they would just drum with someone that was, you know, a practitioner at a certain rhythm and just drum. You know, none of them were native people where right? they were just Western people. And that study showed that the level of PTSD dropped by 60 to 80%. Comparative study with Western medicine was around 20%. That their level of anxiety dropped 
that their level of connection to each other drops, that their capacity to be in their body, physically present and feeling their body was massively increased. I'm not surprised, you know, I was not surprised when I read about it because I know it works, but that was a fascinating study. You know, what they didn't know is that by doing this drumming, the inter-trance state, they might have had vision, by the way, they just listened to the drum, but a part of their consciousness, a part of their psyche, part of their body, their heart, open to this unseen wisdom. And in that moment, that wisdom enter and create healings. And so even if it's not perceived or seen, there is healing that was happening. And to me, it was just fascinating. Uh, first, to see that a Western hospital would be open to that. But second, to have finally studies that shows that, yeah, indeed, this work. And as you know, there is a lot of study now on MDMA and psilocybin and other plant medicine that shows that, in fact, it works five to 10 times better to heal PTSD and depression than any other medicine out there. That those plants somehow knows the way inside us and knows how to help us. What is your thought on on sort of an understanding of of how that how those are or um, how these techniques are healing just from the from the vantage point that you I, I think you said earlier and, and it's something I agree with that that sort of we all are always in a, a trance state we're always in a quote-unquote psychedelic state if we sort of pay attention to it uh, or we're all sort of hypnotized if we pay attention to what's really going on so so this healing that is being discovered with you know using uh you know entheogens or mdma or or something as a tool mm-hmm. what what's your understanding of of it's sort of showing us what's always going on anyway but somehow we've sort of lost our way or how What's your understanding of, of sort of what's going on in that healing process, perhaps? Is it some sort of soul retrieval? <laughs> I, I think it's just that we sit with the, the elders, the, the, the good teachers, the right teachers. Uh, if you think of the plants and the trees, uh, they are, especially the plants, they are much more ancient than we are. Uh, in terms of evolution on the earth, right? They, they came first. Right. Uh, mushroom uh, evolved from the same branch as the one we're sitting on, which is the animal branch, right? They're, they are not a plant. Uh, they are closer to an animal. Uh, uh, but I think they're from another planet, actually. Yeah. They might be- <laughs> yeah. I don't know where they're from. I'm just teasing. Yeah, it, wouldn't, I it, wouldn't surprise, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I fully, with you, uh, agree with you on that, but I didn't want to be that, that provocative here. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Pro- and, and, and when you're at the end of the road, you can be as provocative as you want. Okay. So there are beautiful stories, by the way, in the cosmology of the origin of those plants, uh, oral transmission of stories that came down the line. <clears throat> but the idea is that not only they are more ancient, so they are older, so the elders carry more wisdom than the little brother or the young brothers, our native people call us. Um, but that also because we co-evolve and we evolve together, we have basically a relationship that's ancestral, right? That's very ancient. Uh, and so because also they carry the original instructions, they still live in alignment and in relationship, in good relationship with each other, with all the living kingdom, that when we are in contact with them through just sending with a tree or ingesting them, that that vibration, that information comes in and is assimilated by our system. And it's a little bit like a new software in a computer, right? The hardware is my body and my DNA and all of that. And there is software, which is information. And uh, yeah, well, you all know if you have a, you know, a, 
a software that's bugged on your computer, you need to upgrade to the new version, right? Or you need to go from from Windows to Mac, right? (laughs) (laughs) You need to put something that seems to work a bit better. And so that's really that acknowledgement, right? I acknowledge that somehow, despite they might look static, they don't speak the same language as me, that they might seem less evolved. In fact, they are way more evolved. I mean, you know, biology tell us, you know, evolution tell us. And so when I take them in, when I bring them in, I bring that information in and I build my body with that information. And so that's what happened, you know, to come back to our first discussion here to when you walk in the forest, you are receiving information because our nervous system and, you know, it's also science that explains that is connected to that environment. And connection means two ways. It's not just you experiencing it. It's also the forest experiencing you. And in that moment, something special can happen. And that's what happened to me with the oak tree. It might sound bizarre. An oak tree could speak and teach. But I can tell you that when I went online after my dieta and I read the tradition of the oak tree and how the oak tree was used and the kind of teaching it carries on very ancient text. That's exactly what my experience was. So did I dream it? (laughs) Was the tree really there? Well, what I know is that my experience is universal, was true, and was real. And if it serves my life, that's also, I think, something important about all of that. It's not just done for... It's not folklore or it's not just done because it's for powers or anything like that. No, if it's helped me find my way through life, if it's helped me rekindle relationship with myself first and therefore with others, then, well, I think that's the path to walk. That's the way to explore, at least. Well, since the, uh, the oak tree has come up again, do you know what I'm inviting you and uh, the oak tree to do is to share your poetry that you uh, wrote. Um, you, 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 you obviously oh, don't dear. have, but, but, but no, but no, but you could like record a, a little MP3 of you reciting your poetry and send it to me, and I will put it at the end of the podcast if the spirits so move. I mean, I'm just that's just an option. With pleasure, with pleasure, I will <laughs> we'll do that. I will do that. Yeah, I'm just because I'm I'm curious now. I I, I want to hear this too. This is uh, yeah. this would be wonderful. This would be wonderful. Well, is there is there anything else that um, the spirits are are moving you to share today? that um, you'd like to discuss? You know, I want to share something that's coming up to me right now, and that is um, kind of the the backbone of uh, one of the main creation story in Andean cosmology. Uh, I won't go through the whole story. It's a pretty long story, but there's a point in the story where, you know, everything was in harmony on the earth and then disharmony arrived with human beings starting to fight each other's and starting to kill and becoming greedy and taking more than they need and creating separation. And the story says that the ancient beings, they say they were sacred beings in space. <laughs> Those ancient beings felt pain for the first time and they kind of were really puzzled by it. And so they kind of flew back. They were far in the cosmos and they came back to the earth and they look at the earth from the sky and they saw the pain. They saw the separation. They saw the war. They saw the anger. And the story said that they experienced a feeling they'd never experienced before. And that feeling was compassion. They were overwhelmed by compassion by the human beings and their sufferings. And then they started sending envoys, plants, mushrooms to the earth to help us remember. And so I want to bring that because there is this 
immense love, immense compassion that is coming towards us from that unseen world. And that's not just from the spirit in the skies, it's coming from the trees, from the plants, from the animals, from the stone people, from the rivers that want us to be happy, to live in joy, to sing, to be in good harmony. And so they are constantly trying to reach us, talk to us, to help us heal. And so the only thing we have to do is to turn towards them and allow ourselves to receive and experience this prayer of gratitude to thank them for this amazing service and gift they are giving us. And for me, that story always touched me very deeply because I've experienced it in ceremonies and rituals and really felt that love, that compassion. And the only reason I felt it is because I carry it. You carry it. Everyone listening is carrying it. And any other path we are going to take that is not this path of unconditional love, of compassion, is going to be a search. It's going to be a search for that path. And that for that return, for that home. And so I hope people, you know, will be inspired to open to that, to explore in their own ways those voices and to see how maybe their life can be. Uh, to discover their own medicine, their own power, their own wisdom. Uh, because I think, you know, we need everyone in this and we need to, to come together. And that's really important that we acknowledge that uh, we need help. <laughs> and that there are beings and plants and trees and rocks that are waiting for us to receive that help and to open our heart to it. Thank you very much, Angel. That. You're, what you just said is probably one of the most beautiful things I think that's ever been said here at the End of the Road podcast, and I'm I'm very grateful that uh, you shared it with us. It's I just I, I mean that's very touching in in, in so many ways. Um, that's my deepest prayer, you know. I yeah, I, yeah, I pray yeah. for that a lot because I think I mean, it's time. <laughs> it's time. And as you said, that's all the prayer you need. Yeah. Everything else is just in search of that prayer. <laughs> That's it. There we go. <laughs> You've come to the end of the road. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Angel, hey, uh, how can people get a hold of you uh, if they want to participate in all the the uh, the wonderful um, rituals, uh, uh, activities, um, having uh, in both in the sanctuary and elsewhere? Well, people can go on our website on the sanctuaryheal.com, H-E-A-L.com. Uh, they can also find me on Instagram. They can search for Angel Deer, the sanctuary there on Facebook. Uh, and uh, yeah, come visit, you know, or reach out. You know, we do a lot of our work online. Uh, you know, it's not a week with uh, some offerings online. Um, a lot of our offerings are donation-based. Um, yeah, and I hope, you know, we, we grow this family. You know, I'm really grateful for this connection today with you and with the listeners. Um, you know, we need to to find our way through the bushes <laughs> right now and uh, and really, really decide that we want to be connected and go beyond what we believe and our stories. So we need, we need to choose, right? We, do we choose connection or do we choose uh, our stories? Because ultimately, you know, it's pushing us towards that anyway. So uh, I, I hope, you know, I get to connect to more people and we get to connect more often with each other. And that's what uh, gives me a lot of joy. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary Podcast. We deeply value your support. Please consider sharing this podcast with others and joining our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the sanctuary and why. Once again, 
It is patreon.com slash the sanctuary and why. At the sanctuary, we believe that spirituality is a personal journey that takes many forms, and we honor and respect all paths to awakening and the rise of consciousness. Our mission is to provide a platform for open and honest conversations about spirituality and to inspire and empower our listeners to live their most authentic lives in good relation to each other's, the living, and invisible worlds. I look forward to connecting with you again here or at our events, retreats, and online gatherings. You can find all our offerings at thesanctuaryheal.com. Once again, it is thesanctuaryheal.com.